BC's China Path podcast. I'm James Scullin and have just returned from an in-market trip to China, visiting Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing and Chengdu, where I had the chance to interview a number of prominent players in the Australia-China space. In coming weeks, we'll be bringing you episodes on marketing to China, intellectual property, investment, the opportunities in West China and business case studies. While in China, we also had the opportunity to once again partner with the Export Council of Australia and conduct roundtable feedback sessions with local businesses on non-tariff barriers to trade faced by Australian exporters and also how Chapter was having an impact on the ground in China. My thanks to the Australian Chambers in Hong Kong and Shanghai for helping to facilitate these roundtables. And I strongly urge any business spending time in China to connect with one of the Auschamps that can assist with building your business network, and learning more about the market. In today's episode, we speak with Austrade National Manager Richard Coote to explore the view from the market and how the Australian government can support businesses over in China. Richard was appointed as National Manager for China and the Senior Trade Commissioner and Deputy Consul General in March 2017. In this role, Richard is responsible for helping Australian companies looking to grow their business in China promoting Australian education and attracting productive foreign direct investment into Australia, as well as providing advice to the Australian government on related policy matters. Richard oversees a team of 80 staff spanning a network of 10 offices across mainland China. In our discussion, Richard rates Australia's in-market China presence compared to international competition and how Chapter and Australia's first mover advantage is playing a role. We also discuss the benefit of operating on the ground in China and how business can make their first moves into the market and also how vital it is for businesses to play the long game when doing business in China. Richard also offers how the Australian government can help with export grants, utilising the Shanghai landing pad, and its calendar event A-Week that will be taking place in 2018. I hope you enjoy our discussion. Trade Commissioner and National Manager for China. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Richard. Pleasure to be here. Um, so, Richard, if I could just start by asking you a very general question. Where is the Australia-China relationship at in 2017? I think we're in a very strong uh, position and it's supported by a, a sound strategic foundation, mm. including uh, a history of positive engagement between the two countries and then also the natural complementarities between the two countries. Um, bilaterally, they're our largest trade partner, so 155 billion of bilateral trade in 2016. Um, and for Australia, the export of goods are growing at high single-digit rates, um, and exports of services are, are growing at high double-digit rates. Mm. Um, investment in Australia has increased significantly. So in 2016, there was four billion of foreign direct investment. Um, and that's a growth of about 15% on the, the prior year. Um, and the main areas for investment have been in energy, agriculture, tourism infrastructure, medical, and then recently beef 
Australia also welcomed 1.2 million Chinese visitors in 2016, and they have become our number one source of international visitors. Um, and that contributed almost $10 billion to the Australian economy. Mm. Uh, also, there's almost 160,000 Chinese students studying in Australian schools and universities, um, and that also makes them our number one source of international students. Mm. Okay, so you could even say there's no sector in Australia that's untouched with a relationship with China. We're sitting here in the uh, Austrade offices in Shanghai. In Shanghai, Australia has... Um, a very clear presence with uh, the Australian Chamber, the VGTI offices and other state government offices. Compared to competing countries active here in Shanghai, how do you rate Australia's network of support for the businesses on the ground here? We've, we've done some benchmarking in China to look at uh, other countries and the presence that they have on the ground, and I think Australia is best in class. Really? So, okay. uh, Austrade itself has 10 points of presence. And that's spread right across the country. So we have hubs north, south, east and west, and then also smaller offices in some of the second-tier cities. Um, so that's great coverage. Uh, we also work very closely with the different federal, state, uh, territory, industries and chambers of commerce, taking a Team Australia approach. So we try and get synergy between all of the different points of presence um, and realise the best results for Australia. How do you rate the business uptake of these services? Do you think business could use these services more while they're over here? Uh, yes and no. I mean, some people will seek us out uh, immediately and uh, before they, they enter the market. And then there's others that are in the market that, um, you know, perhaps aren't, haven't come across or aren't aware of the, those opportunities to, to leverage the existing presence on the ground. Mm, okay. So for Australian firms that decide to set up an office here in Shanghai... What advantage do you think they have from operating here in market? Uh, I think everyone will tell you the number one thing in China is relationships. Mm. So obviously if you're on the ground, uh, you have the best chance of, of establishing and, and building those relationships. Uh, the second most important thing there is market intelligence. So um, you know, if you're on the ground, you're going to get faster access to the market intelligence. Mm. Um, it'll be the most up-to-date information, um, and you'll be able to leverage that in the best way possible. Um, I'd also highlight that Austrade has a, uh, a program called the Landing Pads, uh, and that's been set up in five countries around the world. Shanghai has one of those landing pads, and they're primarily set up to help start up and scale up businesses. Mm. Um, especially in the innovation space. And it gives those companies an opportunity to come here for 90 days, supported by Austrade with uh, briefings prior to coming up to the market, um, space and infrastructure to work from, and then an ecosystem and, and connections where they can test out their business plans in the market and uh, see whether they want to take the next steps. Mm. Well, a, another great service offered by Austrade is the Export Market Development Grant, the EMDG, um, which is quite popular with Australian businesses. Obviously in China, the e-commerce market is thriving and connecting with Chinese consumers digitally is a huge advantage for Australian companies. Is, is the EMDG something an Australian business can use for their China online strategy, for Chinese websites, Chinese social media campaigns... Is the EMDG a good way for businesses to um, get into that market here in China? So EMDG is a fantastic uh, 
facilities that the Australian government has to support exporters. It's administered primarily from onshore, um, but there's significant funds go towards supporting um, market development activities um, for companies that are trying to enter the market here. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, digital and e-commerce is a, a tremendous channel and a very good entry uh, strategy that people can use. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'd encourage them to talk to the onshore people about the opportunities that those grants uh, present. Okay. So, for, for an SME that's export-ready in Australia, maybe has some sort of domestic presence and success uh, locally, but hasn't yet dipped its toes into the China market and obviously hears a lot of things about China, what, what's the best way they can take their first steps into the China market? Mm. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, information, digital information, so I'd say that the starting point is uh, do some research yep. online, and that would include the Austrade website, which has a wealth of information, and also case studies for businesses that have entered uh, and are operating in the market. Um, also, Austrade has a global, uh, sorry, has a national uh, network of uh, trade start offices around the country um, and people can approach those offices and also um, a China hub uh, with resources in Sydney and Melbourne um, that have great expertise in, in the Chinese market so they can provide some good insights. I'd also encourage uh, new companies to talk to existing companies that have a presence in the market mm. um, and get a, a balanced appreciation of the uh, opportunities and the challenges that, that market entry presents in China. Uh, you mentioned um, e-commerce and that, that is a tremendous uh, chance to test the market and it's something that is highly developed in China and uh, gives you very, very broad coverage. And then also I'd suggest that they consider working with trusted partners that are introduced to them. Mm. Um, and that would be businesses that already have a presence in the market and can uh, help them in the first stages with their entry strategy. Mm. So, speaking to a lot of business, a, local, a lot of local Australian businesses here in Shanghai this week, people talk about obviously you need to play the long game in China. Um, there's a lot of mistakes that you just need to experience being here in market, and you need to accept that. What do you think some of the most common mistakes are when people enter the China market? Are they too unaware of what the market actually holds itself? Do the, are their expectations too high? Do they try and act too quickly and expect success too quickly? Is there any major mistake you see people make here regularly? I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, uh, it's a business challenge and a business opportunity, so it's similar to other markets. You have to do your research. Um, you're absolutely right. You have to play the long game. So... It's unlikely success will come overnight. There are some rare cases in China, um, but generally those that you see in the market that are successful have um, you know, built plans, done their research, uh, found their entry point, and then built their business over many years. Mm. Um, and some elements of that are you know, ensuring that you have the right relationships, the right partnerships, you understand the rules and regulations, uh, you understand how to protect your intellectual property mm. um, and then you know I think that it's a steady approach it has to be a solid approach and uh, 
don't be blinded by the size of the market. It's extremely competitive, mm. and uh, you need to approach it with a great deal of preparation. But certainly, as you say, there's a lot of businesses over here who have been here a number of years, and business can really learn a lot from other businesses. So really being over here and being involved with AusCham and AusTrade and just having that support network can, can really give businesses confidence. Australia Week, or A-Week, takes place um, in China each April. Um, what is in store for businesses who attend A-Week? We hold uh, Australia Week in China every two years. Oh, okay. And the, uh, the next one is currently in planning, so we're looking at the second quarter of uh, 2018. It presents a fantastic opportunity for businesses to meet with senior government officials, um, potential business partners, successful businesses that are already operating in the market, as well as do site visits and gain very valuable uh, business insights. Mm. Uh, for the, this coming version, we're looking at a very focused program designed to make connections between businesses, um, help them build on the relationships that may already exist, uh, and then drive commercial outcomes. Mm, okay. One of the landmark moments of the Australia-China relationship is certainly the China-Australia Free Trade Agreement. Um, being on the ground here, how have you felt Chapter has changed the Australia-China business landscape? Yes, the chapter has been a, uh, a tremendous boost, I would say, to uh, Australian exporters and service providers. Uh, it came into effect in December 2015 and provides access to both markets uh, with reduced tariff rates, which are coming down year on year, many of which will settle at zero um, in the coming years. Mm. It locks in a preferential position for Australian companies that ensures they have maximum competitiveness. So if the tariff rates come down for other countries, then it will come down for Australian companies also. We've seen some really good results. So there's many double-digit and even exponential growth for uh, some categories. Wine's a fantastic example. Uh, the duties on wine have reduced from uh, the range of 14 to 20% and will be zero from 2019. And uh, the latest data that we've received shows a 50% growth uh, in the year to date, mm. and the value of those exports is now over $700 million, which would represent about 30% of Australia's wine exports. Right. Um, we've also seen increased participation in some emerging sectors, and, and one of those is um, health and aged care, okay. uh, that's really well supported by Australia's capability and the, the policy position and the needs on the Chinese side. What about on the other side? So. With the Chinese government, chapters of agreement there, obviously, party to as well. How has the Chinese government helped um, proliferate the idea of uh, doing more trade with Australia? Is that something you feel that the Chinese government is promoting with local Chinese businesses here? Uh, yes, I mean, again, this is the uh, strategic underpinning, I think, of the relationship is just a tremendous complementarity between... Uh, what Australia has to offer China and what China needs from Australia. Mm. So, um, you know, Chapter also supports some Chinese investment into Australia in particular. Uh, they are selling goods and service, uh, including through digital channels um, into Australia. Um, and, you know, what Australia has to offer, I think, it really fills some of the gaps in the Chinese market, which is obviously huge. Uh, you know, there's there's multiple tiers in the market, so it's not access to the entire market, but there's certainly a, uh, a rapidly growing 
middle class that uh, are looking for many of the, the goods and, and services that Australia can offer. And from the consumer perspective, do you think Chapter, in a way, vouches for Australia? The fact that China, the Chinese government has signed such an agreement with Australia, does this legitimise Australia as a country that China officially wants to do business with that can be felt on the consumer level? Uh, I think the, the position um, between the, the two governments is very, very strong and, and China definitely looks to Australia as a, you know, a reliable and a good partner for the long term. Hmm. Um, so you also mentioned, uh, aside from export goods, uh, the service sector has unbridled access here um, in China. Education, finance, legal and tourism can now establish their own business entities here in China. This is a benefit that other Western developed nations don't currently have at the moment. Are we seeing Australian businesses take advantage of the service access here in China? Absolutely, the Australian businesses are taking advantage of the uh, service access. And it's a very fast-moving market, so I don't think we expect to you know, have the preferential position uh, for the long term. And it is important that we take advantage of it and uh, have the first mover advantage um, whilst we have it, whilst that opportunity is there. So there's no doubt that Australian goods are in high demand here in China um, and command a great reputation. From the importer's side, what prevents them from importing more Australian products? Is it the high price point, non-tariff barriers, um, things like acquiring organic certification? The value of international goods that, and services that are coming into China uh, continues to grow year on year. Um, it is a very competitive and a very dynamic market. So businesses need to understand and shape their strategies to find, maintain and grow the niche that they want in the market. Success normally comes from those that have uh, solid long-term strategies, mm. including how to deal with a range of challenges that they will certainly face as they uh, enter and also as they operate in the market. Mm, okay. Um, if, if we can take education as an example, from your knowledge here in market, has, has the changes in the international community with the election of Donald Trump and Brexit, has do these political causes benefit Australia in making the local market in Australia seem like a more stable choice? I don't think that we've been harmed by the... Uh, current situation with some other governments in the in the region and uh, generally people have a very positive experience in Australia mm. uh, including the students and uh, we have to work hard to maintain that um, but you know personally I've met many um, government level ministers and uh, officials that have themselves studied in Australia or have children studying in Australia mm. and um, you know that positive experience um, definitely helps both for trade and for investment. Keeping on the politics line, does, does politics have an economic impact on Australia and China trade? Uh, I think in today's global economy, politics is, is clearly a factor and it's something that we have to deal with with open eyes. Both Australia and China put great efforts into nurturing the bilateral relationship um, and Australia actually has been given the, uh, the status of a comprehensive strategic partnership by the Chinese leadership, mm, okay. um, which is, uh, really reflects the importance that they place on this relationship. Mm. To support that, you can see that there's been regular high-level visits, uh, including those of the Prime Minister to uh, China, mm. and then also China's President and Premier have visited Australia in recent years. In addition to that, um, you'd be 
pleased to know there's around 40 uh, bilateral dialogues every year um, that come out of chapter and some of the other arrangements that have been made. And this enables our two governments to have continuous um, engagement and deepen the understanding and also address issues when they arise. So chapter really does add on another element of communication that really benefits the Australia-China relationship. Absolutely. And it's uh, you know deepening the understanding and the trust in the relationship, which uh, I believe will carry it very well into the future. Mm. Okay, so to the north of us in Beijing, the 19th Party Congress is currently underway, uh, where the Chinese Communist Party will map out its future trajectory. Um, what does your crystal ball tell us about China's economy moving forward and how Australia can play a role? Clearly the Chinese economy is, um, is, has developed at a tremendous pace and uh, it, it is or will be the world's largest economy, depending on how you measure it. Um, my experience in China has extended over 30 years when I arrived in the late 80s. Um, the progress and development that I've seen since the late 80s is nothing less than astonishing. Mm. So I think it's uh, unique in, in world history. Um, over the time I've been here, I've seen the government face many very difficult challenges and um, I think they've handled them very diligently. And you look where China is today and uh, you really have to respect what they've achieved. Um, so I'm an optimist going to the future and uh, I feel very fortunate to be involved in this market and uh, supporting Australian businesses realise their potential. Mm, fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for your time today, Richard. It's a pleasure. Thank you. My thanks to Richard and Anthony Young for having me in their Shanghai offices and for any follow-up interest in Austrade, its landing pads, export market development grants or AWIC, please visit www.austrade.gov.au or you can also visit this episode page at www.acbc.com.au for any relevant links from my discussion with Richard. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the China Path podcast on the iTunes store to stay in touch for future episodes or listen to previous ones. Thanks a lot for listening, and until next time, Zai Jian. Mm-hmm.